So today we're going to talk about a plan for evaluating and testing iOS apps for accessibility with VoiceOver. And that just means uh, we're evaluating and testing to be sure that, that apps you know, that run on iPad, iPod Touch, or iPhone can be used by a blind or low vision person. That's essentially you know, what, it, what, we're, uh, what we're aiming for. So on iOS devices, there is a, there is a built-in feature called VoiceOver. VoiceOver is a type of assistive technology known as a screen reader. Since blind people aren't able to see the screen, we need a screen reader that takes the on-screen information and provides it in Braille and our speech output for us to access. When, when software, websites, and other technologies are designed in such a way that they meet, that they meet uh, standards, what are called accessibility standards or accessibility guidelines or accessibility best practices, when they meet those things, they are accessible to a blind person. Um, and um, when they when you know when they're accessible to a blind person, uh, then then we can uh, we can be fully included. So when, and uh, what I'd like to do is read, I'm gonna need to read this off because it's it's a little long, but I think it's very uh, very poignant. Um, because we're talking about accessibility here. So um, in a letter to a company CEO, CEO I wrote a few uh, months ago, I wrote the following uh, in my explanation to, uh, you know, what, what is accessibility. So I wrote, quote, true accessibility means that all parts of a platform's features, benefits, information, policies, procedures, products, responsibilities, rights, services, and technologies are developed and implemented in ways that are usable by people with disabilities. Essentially, that means everything, every aspect of, of a thing, of a piece of technology, in this case, an iOS app, is something that can be used by everybody, whether or not they have sight or other, other disabilities. We say that is accessible. And it is important to be accessible in order to include everyone. So, you know, if you're, um, if you're a developer and you're making your iOS app, and especially if you've been asking, if you've been uh, receiving requests to make that accessible, then your choice is, you know, do you want to include as many of your users as possible or do you want to leave someone out in the cold? Is what, is what we're uh, kind of kind of aiming at here. So accessibility to voiceover works best when apps are deliberately developed for accessibility and when blind people are considered during development and testing. Apple provides lots and lots of good guidelines for uh, making apps accessible. So. Starting voiceover. Title, Web Introduction, 
Title, Web Starting VoiceOver. Title, Web Tango. Starting VoiceOver. Okay. Introduction. Title, Web Starting VoiceOver. Title, Web Tango. Starting VoiceOver. The plan. Title, Starting VoiceOver. Title, Introduction. Title, okay. Web Tango. My... Introduction. Testing and teaching iOS voiceover app accessibility. Type testing and teaching iOS voiceover app accessibility. Introduction. Starting voiceover. The plan. Title. Reporting and resolving accessibility bugs. The plan. Title. Starting voiceover. Introduction. Title. Web title. Stop. Starting voiceover. There we go. Okay. We'll uh, we'll just go with that. There is uh, a slide that is not in the right order, uh, but we'll just uh, we'll just. Uh, Go through that, and then uh, this starting voiceover will be the meat. We'll start the meat of our presentation anyway. Okay, so um, we are talking about a plan for making this situation better, right? For making apps more accessible, um, for uh, teaching people how to be, uh, you know, how to work with accessible apps, and for how to advocate for better app accessibility. So. Why do we need a plan? What are the benefits? So advocates can identify issues to developers in a systematic way so that developers can, you know, um, developers can fix their issues and, and uh, make their apps uh, better for everyone moving forward. Developers can use a plan to test their own apps um, as they're coding to make sure that those apps are going to be fully accessible. Decision makers can use this plan to evaluate apps that they're considering purchasing for their educational institution or government agency um, or other or other uh, company or organization to decide whether or not they should purchase that particular technology because ultimately if it's not uh, meeting accessibility guidelines it shouldn't be purchased um, and educators can evaluate apps to help their blind and low vision students um, learn to use the apps, and they can also make app recommendations. Um, you know, this app is particularly accessible, or this one is not. You may want to use another alternative instead, such as a more accessible app. Okay. So now we are into the slide that we're actually showing, um, which is how to start VoiceOver. So um, you know, I know some of you on this uh, webinar will be very familiar with this, and some others will not be. Um, VoiceOver is built into the iOS device. However, of course, you know it's not running by default. So uh, there are, uh, for a sighted person, um, the way you turn on VoiceOver is you push the home button, which is also the round button near the bottom middle of the screen, and you tap on settings, then you tap on general, then you tap on accessibility, and then you go into VoiceOver, tap on VoiceOver, and you hold and swipe to the right on the voiceover switch to turn it on. Drag it to turn it on. Then you can uh, um, turn on the uh, speak hints switch. Uh, once the voiceover will be on at this point, so then you will double tap on speak hints. To, if it's off, then you'll double tap it to turn it on. And finally, if you would like to get the best experience possible uh, with uh, your accessibility testing, you will turn on the screen curtain by uh, tapping the screen three times with three fingers. That's called a three-finger 
triple tap, and that turns on the screen curtain. So um, if you're a blind person, of course, there are several ways to start voiceover. Um, if your device is set up to do so, you can just triple click the home button that toggles voiceover on and off. Um, you can also ask Siri. You can say, turn on voiceover. And if it's off, it'll, it'll be turned on for you. And finally, you can always go into iTunes and go into the accessibility configuration uh, for your device uh, and uh, turn on that way if the device is connected to your computer. Um, not the recommended way to have to turn on voiceover, but it does work. Title, rectangle, starting voiceover, the plan. Title, rep reporting and resolving oh, accessibility part bugs. Part of the problem is the there's plan. a long delay. Title, there we go, okay. There's the plan, okay. So now we get to the plan itself, okay. And for those of you who are looking at the text, you know, it's a lot of text. Um, there are a couple things I'm going to go over, and then I'm going to quickly summarize 13 items in this, in this plan. Um, and um, what it is is, um, okay, so we have, thir we, have, we have a way of exploring apps. So you're going to open up the app. If you're a developer, you know it's the app you're developing. If you're an educator, you're going to, you're going to open up the app that you downloaded from the App Store. And if you use VoiceOver to do that, then you, you, know, you double tapped on it. Anyway, the app is going to be in question is going to be on your screen. The first thing you do is tap the top of the screen with four fingers. That takes VoiceOver to the very top of the, of the screen. It's going to be the first item that's accessible to a blind person. And then you're going to evaluate. You're going to, you're going to go through the screen by flicking to the right once. You're going to flick to the right. You're going to listen to what you heard when you tap the top with four fingers. You'll hear the first thing. And then you're going to start flicking to the right, pausing after each flick to listen to what voiceover is telling you. When you do this on the main screen of the app, you're going to consider the following 13 items. Number one, are all controls labeled? So when you flick to something, does it say, you know, um, does it say uh, interdestination or does it say destination or does it say uh, a bunch of letters and numbers or does it just say button? You know, in other words, does it make sense? Does it say something that makes sense? If uh, if it's a button in the upper left of the screen, you know, that you got to when you tap the top of the screen with four buttons, does it say back? Something like that? Or does it say, I see arrow white 22? Seriously. <laughs> anyway, um, so uh, so are, the, are all controls labeled? Double tap the item. If it's, a, if it's a button or something that should uh, go to another screen in the app, if you double tap it, does that work? Because in VoiceOver, since we can't just single tap things or we would be selecting things all the time, um, you um, actually double tap uh, buttons and controls to, uh, to activate them in VoiceOver. So do all 
buttons respond to a double tap? Uh, third, does voiceover stay focused? So if you're moving, flicking right through your app, you know, through, through a particular screen your app, does voiceover stay where you left it or does it kind of jump around the screen, jump, 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 jump all over the place? Uh, you'd be surprised the number of apps that are pretty jumpy um, when you uh, go through them with voiceover. Um, when, when you have a situation where you are selecting items, so for example, if you are uh, shopping and you have uh, a shopping cart and there are some items that are selected and some that are not, or you're ordering food through something like, well, like DoorDash or something like that, and there are items that could be selected or not selected, does VoiceOver say selected? or otherwise tell you that the item you're looking at is, is active or is not active. Um, and number five is refresh. If there's a list of items that a sighted person would pull down with one finger to update the list, does pulling down, to swiping down with three fingers do the same thing when voiceover is turned on? Number six, is everything available to voiceover? Um, or do you have items on the screen visually that voiceover doesn't, doesn't read when you flick across them? Uh, number seven, uh, you know, custom gestures. Does your app feature lots and lots mm -hmm. of unusual custom gestures that are mo most uh, uh, you know, iOS users don't normally use? You have L gestures or circles or you know, things like that that are, that are not typical. If so, have you put in um, custom actions for voiceover users? And I'll be showing these things momentarily. Visual cues. So do, does your app require, require use of color or other kind of visual only uh, elements? If so, do you provide that information to voiceover? So if I'm shopping for shoes, um, you know, can I make sure I get the black shoes? Or am I going to get the pink shoes because I didn't know what color they were? Um, similarly, if I'm being uh, if I'm going to be picked up by someone, if I've uh, you know if I order a ride with Lyft, uh, Lyft tells me the color of the car. If I order a ride with Uber, Uber shows a picture of the car, but they don't they don't expose the color of the car to voiceover. So if I'm blind, I don't know the color of the car that's picking me up. Number nine logical non-visual order so you know the relationship is sometimes important between things on the screen if it is important um, has that been you know properly does the voiceover user know how to work with that and know know that it's important and know which thing comes first second third so on and so forth hints so if you have um you know uh, a control that requires some explanation, have voiceover hints uh, been turned on and are they, are they working? So after it says, you know, um, after it says destination button, does it, you know, does it show you, does it give you more information about what you're supposed to do there? You want to make sure too that hints aren't the only way that you can access something. So. Um, if somebody chooses not to turn their voiceover hints on, it's still important that they be able to uh, use the app uh, effectively. 
audio ducking. So basically that means um, are we making sure that um, when audio plays that um, it doesn't drown out voiceover. Voiceover is able to, when it, when it needs to speak, it's able to uh, come in and, and your, your, the audio from your app's player will actually go quieter so that the blind person can, can still hear voiceover. Does the two finger, okay, let's, let's go back and explain this differently. Can you use the back button in the upper left corner of the screen? So voiceover users have a two finger right left gesture that they can use. It's called the scrub gesture, the Z form gesture that, um, that uh, is a shortcut for that back button in the upper left. Does that work in the app? And finally, I know this is a pretty exhausting, uh, do advanced features like direct touch uh, work? Um, does, um, do, are there Braille, um, is there Braille support, is there good Braille support? And uh, are there keyboard shortcut commands? And does the magic tap work? The magic tap is a cool voiceover feature where you, you uh, double tap the screen with two fingers to uh, play, um, sorry, play and pause audio. Does that work or not work? Um, okay, so uh, those are the 13 primary features that we look for in this accessibility plan. Once you've done that with your home screen on an app, you go back and you look at each of those controls and you double tap each one, you reiterate the, the 13 items for every screen in the app and you take detailed notes about anything that's not working the way it should. And that goes to reporting and resolving bugs. So, you know, if you are an advocate, you want to do this, you want to send in very detailed structured bug reports to developers so they can fix things. Of course, if you're a developer, you want to do this so that you're detailed way, so that you're taking good notes so you can fix your code. So, um, and what I'd like to do is explain what information is included in a proper bug report. The first thing is a description. Just give a, a few uh, words. I'm going to go ahead and uh, just put this. Reporting and resolving yeah. accessibility bugs. Title, Sorry about that. Rectangle. Reporting and resolving accessibility bugs. Okay. So um, you, as uh, you can see, so the first item is we need a description. A few concise words describing the issue. It's just that straightforward. Um, Steps to reproduce. Write every step that you took to get to the accessibility bug. And I will be going over this in just a moment, exactly what this is. Okay. So steps to reproduce. Current behavior. So what happens right now? What is the result of the of the issue? What what is it? What is the how is the problem behaving right now? Expected behavior. What would you like to happen instead? Instead of the, the the bad thing that's happening now, what would be the the expected correct thing that should be happening instead? And finally, app version, hardware information, and iOS version. So tell the developer, you know, I'm running version 60.0.0.137 of the Facebook app on an iPhone 6 running iOS. 10 public beta 3 for for instance by the way you probably don't want to use betas for uh public 
um, you know, iOS apps, but you could in some situations if you are a beta tester, so there you go. Daryl, I have a question in okay. the chat um, about the specific uh, bug reporting that you're uh, okay. discussing right now. And it says, is there a website that has app reviews specifically using this framework? Oh, fascinating. So there is not yet. Um, the best website, I would say, for app reviews right now for accessible apps is appleviz.com, A-P-P-L-E-V-I-S.com. They do have app reviews, but no, they do not use this as a new framework. Um, I've been developing this framework over the past seven months, um, this accessibility plan, and I'm not aware of any websites yet that will review apps and say that they're following this plan. This is a this is a new plan that I'm promoting. I will tell you, however, that the um, the bug reporting that we're talking about right now is a standard um, nomenclature that developers, that software developers use for you know reporting bugs. The whole description, steps to reproduce, current behavior, expected behavior, and so on. That is all based on standard. Um, developer um, you know understandings of how software works however no there's no um, uh, there's no uh, app reviews that are based on it so I would invite you to be um, to be someone who does that um, visit a website like applevis.com or uh, maybe iaccessibility.net uh, and uh, start you know, submitting them that way, that would be wonderful. Okay, so speaking of bugs, we're going to get to... Example bug report. Here we go. Here is an example bug report. This is an example of how to report an accessibility bug. And I will just quickly read it for those of you who would benefit from that. So this is description. Event invitation details inaccessible to voiceover. This was written against the Facebook iOS app. Steps to reproduce. Number one, turn on voiceover. Number two, open the Facebook app. Number three, open any event invitation. Number four, tap the top of the screen with four fingers. You'll see that this is you know, kind of going uh, using the accessibility plan in this bug report. Flick right through the event invitation. So just flick right. Each time you flick, listen to voiceover. Then flick again, listen to voiceover, and so on and so forth. Number six, notice that the date, location, time, and other important details are not spoken. The current behavior, event invitations, are inaccessible and useless to blind people. The expected behavior, blind Facebook users should be able to access event invitations on terms of equality with their sighted Facebook friends. All right, so that is the um, accessibility bug for a feature in Facebook. Let's go to accessibility testing. Title, rectangle, accessibility testing. There we go. Title, rectangle, accessibility testing. I do apologize for the delay. There's a little bit of a lag and delay in this, but that's okay. All right, so developers test uh, with blind and um, 
with blind alpha and beta testers. So alpha testers are internal testers. They're usually employees of the company. You know, they're they're it's when you're doing alpha testing, it's rough. It's it's a pretty rough around the edges app. Not something that most of us would uh, would really care to use. Um, then when you do beta testing, that means you're releasing it to a small group of users and saying, here, we think we pretty much got this mostly mostly well-baked. We'd like you to kick, kick the tires and see how it, how it actually works out in the real world. So we need, we need to have uh, blind people and other people with disabilities involved in those testing processes. Also, there's user acceptance testing. So this is where you know, uh, a, a, uh, a company goes to their client They've developed an app for a client, or this happens internally within organizations. The, the software engineering department has built an app or a piece of technology. They want the, the department in question to, to test to make sure it's, the, it's what they're looking for. Uh, blind and other disabled, you know, other people with disabilities in that user acceptance testing process. So advocates uh, can test and provide feedback. Uh, in a detailed manner in this way, and educators can test apps before recommending them, uh, and they can uh, help uh, their blind students learn learn how to explore and use these apps if they're accessible. And finally, decision makers can test apps, and they uh, should not purchase the app if it's not accessible according to Apple's accessibility guidelines. So resources. Finally, Type. we come to resources. I don't, you know, expect everybody to to note all these resources just, you know, from this slide. So um, again, there are notes available if you want or need them. Um, I'm just going to recommend everybody if you go to AppleViz.com/developers. Even though, even if you're not a developer, you can go to AppleViz.com/developers. Look for the teaching and testing. Um, uh, iOS voiceover teaching and testing accessibility plan uh, on iOS or on applevis.com slash developers and that is uh, a link to this plan um, in excruciating detail. You can even uh, discover how uh, a little bit about how the plan came together and, and the process involved in editing it. So um, uh, you can also um, Visit. I would recommend visiting Apple's website. There's apple.com/accessibility for most of us, and for the developer community, there's developer.apple.com/accessibility. So um, a lot of other resources given on this slide, and again, those are available on the notes. Of course, let's not forget aztap, aztap.org, nau.edu/sbs/ihd. Institute for Human Development. So finally, uh, contact information. Contact information. There you go. You, you can uh, reach me a few different ways. Um, Title. Web. Have we gone off? There we go. Okay. Uh, anyway, um, you can reach me a few different ways. I'm Daryl Hilliker. Uh, send me an email. Email, Daryl.Hilker at gmail.com, or you can 
access me on Daryl, D-A-R-R-E-L-L. Um, that's, uh, you know, this my contact information. I would love to hear from anyone who is interested in this uh, kind of this work, and I'd be happy to. Um, Body. Finally, Daryl Shandrow Consultant. Email Daryl at. I'd like to show you a couple of wonderfully accessible and sadly inaccessible app switcher app features. Facebook active. I just double tap. So I have an iPad with VoiceOver enabled. And I just double tap the home button for the app switcher. And let's go to Netflix. Twitter with it. To the left. Netflix. Active. And I'm in Netflix, Netflix. now. Close. Button. Netflix has done a lot of work to improve the accessibility of their app. However, I'm going to show you one screen Play where House. Button. sadly fallen a bit short. Rating five stars out of five. Double tap. Rate this title. So I'm a blind person. I'd like to I'd like to rate Fuller House. I'd like to make my voice known. So I'm going to go to the top of the screen before things. Rate this title. Rate this title. Flick to the right. Click. Bang. Hit the wall. <laughs> Flick to the right. Rate this title. Rate this That's title. That's all. That's all, folks. And you want to know what else? I can't even. Uh, I can't even do anything here. If I want to do Netflix. Uh, anymore, I have to FaceTime. Go back into the app Double switcher. Double tap to open app switcher. Keynote. Netflix. Active. Three Closing Netflix. Up to turn off Keynote. Netflix. Active. And I'd have to go back into Netflix. FaceTime. I'd have to restart the app essentially in order to recover from that screen. Really, really awful, you know, inaccessible implementation there. As you can see, it in no way follows the plan, right? No labeled controls. Uh, things that are invisible to voiceover, you know, just it kind of breaks everything in the plan I just talked about, right? So uh, my exercise to you would be to at least consider a mental note of how would I write a bug report and send it to Netflix? Even better yet, write a bug report and send it to Netflix. The more of us who do it, the more likely they are to actually fix it. Okay, so let's let's go on a happier note now. Let's go to app an app switcher. that's wonderfully Keynote. accessible. Act, home, Keynote, Facebook, Twitterific, active. Twitterific. Okay, that refreshing is a content. Twitter client Finished refreshing. for iOS. Sidebar, techies. So I just went to the, I just went according to the plan. Tap the top with four fingers, flicking to the right. I have a list that I call techies, and um, I'm just flicking through the right now. Options, button, compose, button, find, search field, double tap. Everything is very labeled and very accessible. Apple this forum topic, buying a Mac on Saturday, hopefully a plethis.com, A11Y Chi meetup, nine highlights from our Q&A with a web accessibility auditor out, Lice Aurelia De Rosa, friendly reminder, the app W3C has a dedicated page that shows all the tools and validators it provides, Apple this. Okay, so I'm just, I just tapped the screen with uh, two fingers to stop voiceover. So we're on a tweet. Now, Twitter, if, it has, if you're sighted, they have all kinds of cool little gestures for doing different things with your tweets. They wouldn't be very accessible to voiceover users. However, they have created actions for these gestures. So if I flick down instead of right, 
these are all the things I can do. Aplevis.com slash forum slash iOS Gammy. Those are, that's the link. Reply. Like. Retweet. Quote tweet. From Applevis. Applevis. More options. Share. Activate item. Default action. Okay, so the point being that instead of the, the gestures that might not work so well for us, alternatives have been provided that make the, all of these options available to us even though we can't uh, see. Um, so I can get into all the wonderfulness that is Twitterific, but we don't have time here. So I just wanted to show you an example of something good that is a mainstream app that many sighted people use, way, way, way more than blind people use, but yet it is it is virtually 100% accessible. In, in almost every update, Twitterific makes some reference to fixing some voiceover issue. So they're, they're committed to it. The company is called Icon Factory, and the app is called Twitterific in the iOS app store. So I'll leave it FaceTime. to uh, Not any, uh, anyone who has any uh, questions. Um, John, do we get anything on the email? We had a couple of requests uh, for where you can uh, see this webinar after today, and um, okay. we will be archiving it on IHC's YouTube channel. Okay. Um, so I'll put that link into the chat area. But other than that, no questions in uh, for the email. Okay. How about the in-band in the Adobe Connect? Uh, we had that one question. I put up links for Apple Biz. Applebiz.com. Awesome. And there's actually a slash bugs where. Uh, yep, we can do that too. And then um, I put the information app developers slash. You can put in developers, but it changes the information app developers. Yep. But uh, I put that link up as well. Um, awesome. Seems like there are people typing, so uh, we can just open it up to questions right now. That'll be great. And I'll, I'll read them as soon as they come through. And I will say, as far as the only reason I didn't mention applebiz.com slash bugs earlier, it's great. If you want to submit something on there, that's great. Um, that's for the Applebiz community, and I do recommend you do that. But just please keep in mind that doesn't send a bug report to the developer. So if you want to send, submit there, that's wonderful. But please don't forget to actually send the bug report where it can count, you know, send it to the developer um, so that they can get on that. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for enduring my first ever webinar. I think you did a great job, uh, and the Thank idea you. about sending um, Netflix a couple of uh, emails talking about uh, the accessibility, or you know, all at the same time talking about something specifically, uh, I feel like that'd be a good action plan in one way or another. Yeah, it's great. They did a they did a wonderful job on a lot of the app, but then you get to this screen and it's kind of a roadblock. It's like, what? Who came up with that? I have one question in an email. Um, it says, if you want to learn more about how to learn VO, where should you go? Uh, do you do training? I do. I do training. Contact me, and we'll talk about it. Um, and uh, I also have access to 
other people who can do training. So either way, we can we can discuss that. Um, there is a, a wonderful uh, website. Let's see. Um, it's called voiceover-easy, E-A-S-Y.net. Voiceover-easy.net. And that is a, a, a very good, it's a tutorial, a real beginner-based tutorial on how voiceover works. If you go to appleviz.com, again, we've had a link to appleviz.com. There's also a, a link on there that says, Getting started with your first iOS device, you can go in there, and it's all based on VoiceOver. Um, there are, um, let's see, I'm aware of a couple of apps in the App Store that help you learn VoiceOver as well. One of them is called the LookTel, L-O-O-K-T-E-L, VoiceOver Tutorial. Oh, and must I not forget, um, the information that's built into the iOS device itself. So once you go into, you know, if you have VoiceOver on, you can go into, you know, into access, uh, I'm sorry, back up. Go into settings, general, accessibility, VoiceOver, and then inside that screen there is an uh, area that says VoiceOver Practice. And that will, if you double tap on that, it gives you an area where you can practice the different gestures. So you can flick left, flick right, it'll actually tell you what that gesture means. So I recommend voiceover practice mode. I have a, a bunch of thank yous and thank you very helpful, great work. Thanks. Um, and lastly, uh, uh, the voiceover easy tutorial site. Um, I'm trying to bring it up. Uh, voiceover Is it voiceover-easy.net? Yeah, and then I Googled it. Um, I, I could have it wrong. It's kind of new to no, me anyway. It, yeah, it's uh, it's showing up as voiceover.easy.net, but it's not linking. It's not working, huh? Um, there is a uh, Apple Viz connection, it looks like, and it even has that on there. Let me see if I can. I feel like the site is down right now. It's just kind of uh, uh, hanging on the load, but. Oh, okay. So it, it normally is there. It's just having some kind of technical issue. Yeah. Yeah, like I'm getting an empty HTML area on Safari on the Mac right now. So. Yeah, Mary online is also saying that it won't leave, it won't load either. I'm sorry about that, guys. I think if you try it again later, I think it's a thing. So I think it just isn't working right now. I always dislike giving people links to things that are dead ends, so sorry about that. But if you go to AppleViz.com, there's a getting started with your first iOS device. I'm confident that should work. And the practice mode, of course, works because it's built in. You also um, keep in mind, um, and this is one of the resources um, at some point, go to Apple.com slash accessibility. There's all of their accessibility features. Apple is really, really proficient, you know, at at uh, um, promoting their accessibility features. Three of three Wi-Fi, five of five bars.
Signal strength. Status bar. Okay. Anyway, uh, it came up finally, by the way. I, I have it up here now. It just something is wrong with their side, apparently. All right. Well, we're looking at about 24 minutes left. If there's any sort of questions uh, that anyone would like to ask, you can do it one of two ways. You can put it in the chat area, or you can send an email to ihd at nau.edu. Uh, we have another thanks so much, very informative. Yep, I appreciate it. And again, any, anyone who would like to talk about this stuff further can Send me an email or a tweet if you're on Twitter. Just uh, chat with me. I'd be happy to happy to uh, connect. And um, this is my thing. I love doing accessibility work. So, and hey, if you're a developer out there and you want your app tested for voiceover accessibility, let's talk about it. There is a question that says, "What are your favorite accessible apps?" besides Twitter. Okay. Awesome. Well, I um, I use a lot of apps. Most of them are very accessible. Some of them are, some of them have accessibility problems. One of my favorite fully accessible apps is called TuneIn Radio. Uh, two words, Tune, T-U-N-E-I-N. Um, get that on the in the app store. It's a free app. I believe there's some in-app purchases you can get if you want those, but the basics are free. And that is a that is an app that lets you access thousands of radio stations around the world. I listen to uh, CNN and my local NPR station KJZZ through that app. I listen to something called ICRT through that app. So listen to a few radio stations through that. Um, I use, uh, wow, it's hard because I will use a lot of apps. I, uh, I use, um, excuse me, um, I use a lot of the built-in iOS features all the time, too. I use mail a lot. Um, of course, I take, you know, my wife and I take a lot of pictures of our baby daughter using the camera, and then we send those on Facebook. Facebook is what I call a mostly accessible app that we use a lot. Um, so I use uh, I use a lot of things. Um, I use Hulu, which is partially accessible, accessible enough to be usable. Uh, Hulu Plus, um, Kindle. You read books on uh, Kindle. Use the Audible app. Audible app is very accessible. Um, so there's a lot of, if I had to pick a favorite though, I think Twitterific is, I mean, like I said, one of my favorite apps uh, because, because of the effort that the developer takes to make, make that really accessible. Of course, there's Uber and Lyft, um, which are quite accessible. Um, unless uh, Uber's broken things once in a while, and they usually go back and fix them, however, so. There you go. Well, we have uh, Allison who uh, troubleshot the Voice Easy 
uh, voiceovereasy.net, and it appears it doesn't work on Chrome. Uh, and she checked it on Firefox and it's loading <laughs> and I just double checked it on Firefox and put it into the chat area. So um, if you're out there and you're using Chrome uh, or another browser that doesn't work, uh, you might have to download Firefox and, and access it from there. You know what, everybody? You know what? Allison knows what the heck she's doing. She's got it going on. So when something happens on Adobe Connect, even though it's totally inaccessible with VoiceOver, VoiceOver tells me Adobe Connect needs attention. If I go to the window chooser and select the window, it remains blank, however. But yet it needs my attention. Uh -huh. And we have a confirmation. Mary checked. Uh, she was on Chrome, so she's thanking Allison. <laughs> Yay! I love this. I love how people, you know, communicate and, and uh, get things going and working. And I, oh, another talk about accessible apps. I use Roger, which is like a two-way radio app. We love those, right? We, some of us blind folks, anyway, love those two-way radio apps. Um, but anyway, um, uh, I'm on a number of groups and a number of individual conversations. So. If you want to find me on Roger, my at, my handle is my ham radio call sign. I know this is really, really geeky. It's N is in November, U is in uniform, the number seven, I is in India. If you want to find me on Roger. Roger is very accessible. And again, it's another example of a company that actually does uh, seem to take accessibility seriously. So they are out there. There is hope. I have a comment from Allison, uh, and she says, on blindaccessjournal.com, Daryl did a podcast that covered accessible apps, TapTapSee and BeSpecular? Yes. Those are my favorite apps, too. Um, kind of the reason I didn't mention them before now is they, so they are accessible apps, but they are, they are accessible apps that are designed for blind people, so, so I don't. Still could have mentioned them, I guess. Uh, these apps are examples of um, solutions that, that let you take a picture of something, and that picture gets sent into the cloud, essentially, and then, it, and then um, you record a request. In the case of BeSpecular, TapTapC doesn't have this feature. But anyway, you record a request, and you say, could you please tell me the, uh, the temperature on the oven's display? Uh, whereas TabTabSee just sends the picture without any any input from you. And then what comes back is an answer, one or more answers to to the picture. You know, so you can, uh, like I said, show a picture of an oven display and get the temperature off of it. Uh, another thing that, that Allison and I like to do, actually, is we have lots and lots and lots of pictures of scenes with our seven-month-old baby daughter in them. And we send them up to be specular. We get a description from a volunteer on be specular, and then we save that, resave that picture back to our camera roll with the description tag in place. So we now have a described copy of that picture. I love it. It's amazing. TapTapC is a similar feature, but the uh, picture descriptions don't usually seem to be nearly as good as as be specular. Um, 
B specular is we want to put links to the B specular B E S P E C U L A R dot com and tap tap C it's T A P T A P S E E A P P tap tap C app dot com. We have a question from uh, uh, Jacelyn, and uh, they're asking I'm working with an individual who runs his own business and is looking for an app to validate the amount when someone writes a check. Could be specular do this? Okay. The answer is yes. Uh, since it would be a picture of the check and you could do that, I would advise though um, you keep in mind that there's no way to guarantee confidentiality because uh, these are just volunteers that are on the other end and the checks are going to have people's names on them and all kinds of you know account numbers and routing numbers and things that are I, I would recommend um, there is one other solution that might work for you um, okay two other solutions um, one of them is the KNFB reader uh, K and then NFB is a National Federation of the Blind reader um, it doesn't work if, if it doesn't work super well unless you're really really good at taking pictures of things um, then it sometimes works okay we can use it sometimes to identify our mail but it doesn't really do so so it helping us actually read our mail for instance um, if you're going to use KNFB I recommend using a scan a, a, a stand that you put your phone on if you want to contact me, I can give you, you know, more information about all this stuff. There's that solution, KNFB Reader. Screen locked. Um, I also like the possibility of something called CrowdViz, C-R-O-W-D-V-I-Z, CrowdViz, I believe CrowdViz.com. And that is a situation where you receive help from a sighted person. But you pay. It's it's less volunteer oriented, um, and you might check into CrowdViz. They might have some confidentiality protections in place for that. Uh, somebody's checks might be a little complicated. Reading your mail might not, might or might not be. Uh, okay. Keep in mind, KNFB is OCR. It, it's optical character recognition right on your phone. See, if it works for you, you can use that one safely. You're not sharing anything in the cloud. But these other apps share data in the cloud, and it's just complicated. So, um, you know, just keep in mind if you have med medications that have your name on them, um, if you don't want some strange person to know what meds you take, then you might not want to use, you might not want to use Bespecular to read your medications. And um, either Jacelyn or Jacqueline states, thank you very much. You're welcome. And again, contact me if, if you want to investigate some other kind of solutions. I'd be happy to help. And another comment from Mary stating, we need another hour. <laughs> and uh, she adds smile emoticon at the end of it. Thanks, Mary. I, I really have enjoyed doing this, and I'm glad that some of you have enjoyed 
listening to it and and uh, asking questions and commenting. And I really like like doing this. I hope to do it again. Anytime you want to talk, to, you guys, anybody you want us to talk to me, I'm always I'm always up for talking about accessibility as long as I can find the time for it. <laughs> I'm going to post your email again in the chat area. Um, what was your at Twitter? Daryl, D-A-R-R-E-L-L. Yeah, I know, he's an early adopter. <laughs> A lot of people are like, oh, gosh, you've got your first name on Twitter. I just want to remind everyone you can uh, download uh, the PDF version of the iOS accessibility notes from the files pod in the lower right. Uh, it is in PDF. If you need the TXT file, please contact us at isd.nu.edu. Wonderful. Lindsay states, thanks again. This is wonderful. Hi, Lindsay. She says, hi, great job, Daryl. Thanks. I wonder if you can, um, while we have a little uh, Pause here, uh, if you don't mind, talking about earlier, before we started the webinar, you had mentioned a website, ARIA, in conjunction with, uh, I think, w Web Accessibility. Yeah, Web Accessibility, WC3, and then Standards versus Law. Maybe, right. Could you unpack that for us a little bit? Sure. Okay, so when it comes to websites, you're right, there's a different kind of accessibility. We've been talking about mobile apps today on the iOS platform specifically. And again, Android, Android also has an accessibility solution, so uh, we're just not talking about that today. Websites uh, have two standards related to accessibility that are internationally recognized standards. One is called WCAG, Web Content Accessibility Guidelines. Those are international guidelines, uh, primarily um, more kind of traditional static websites. Um, there are things like make sure you have alt tags for all images, make sure that everything can be accessible from the keyboard, things like that. Then there's ARIA, Accessible Rich Internet Applications. And ARIA is an international standard that came out um, in response to the fact that there are, that most websites, well, let's say, I'll say many websites are now, instead of being websites, they're more like desktop apps that you can install on your computer. They look more like that. So think, you know, Google Apps, like think Google Docs, Google Sheets, things like that. Um, ARIA governs those. It's an international standard similar to WCAG, but it governs accessibility for rich internet app, you know, application type websites. Uh, both of those standards are, uh, are recognized standards. They're worked on and revised from time to time. I was talking about the law because, you know, and I, and I mentioned a few times in the webinar that we have, you know, certain kinds of uh, organizations and agencies and uh, 
governments and things like that that, that need to buy accessible. That's according to, in the United States, that's according to Section 508 of the Rehabilitation Act. Uh, and there are other state laws in, in some states that regulate accessibility. And then, of course, there's EU regulations in Europe and other, there's regulations in other parts of the world. Anyway, so there, there's a law, Section 508 of the United States Rehabilitation Act, and then there are standards that go with that, Section 508 standards. And unfortunately, those standards are not very, are not as robust as something like ARIA or WCAG. Um, they're just older standards. I think they're based on like the year 2000, maybe. They're, they're pretty old and not, they, don't, they just don't really have uh, uh, dynamic websites and things like that and, and iOS apps and things like that in mind. Um, but it's, it's generally understood that if you're following things like ARIA, WCAG, uh, or if you're following Apple's accessibility guidelines in the case of iOS apps or the Android accessibility guidelines, or if you're writing a Windows program, you know, if you're following Microsoft's accessibility best practices, then, then you're going to be fine with respect to Section 508 and, and a, a government agency could buy accessible and, and be protected. Thank you. I have a couple of other thank yous. Julie Lukert says thank you. And Norbert Wolsey says thanks. A big help. All right. I've also put in the chat area a link uh, to a uh, evaluation uh, for this webinar. Um, it will be in an email that's sent out to all participants as well. Um, but if you wanted to uh, wait at the end of the webinar and click on that link, you can go evaluate right now. Um, as I would encourage you to, all to do that. It's, it, as we all know, it's, it's harder to do it after the fact. So if you've got a few minutes now, go ahead and let them know how I did. So that I, I love to get feedback so I know what I can do better next time I do a thing like this. Hmm. Wow, I can't believe it's almost over. <laughs> well, things are slowing down. Okay. Um, uh, we'll, we'll let people write questions if they'd like to, but uh, any parting comments? Anything uh, you want to put a cap to the end of the webinar? Mm -hmm. um, thoughts on the state of accessibility mm -hmm. or uh, uh, maybe some predictions <laughs> as to uh, new technologies or things that you're excited about? Wow, okay. <laughs> so first, of, I'm going to say a few things. I do this accessibility evangelism thing a lot, and it feels like I get an occasional vic victory. However, uh, I often feel like I'm banging my head against many, many brick walls along the way. and. Allison sometimes reminds me that the, the, the concept of starfish is really important. And it's basically a story about how uh, there was a kid who was throwing starfish back into the sea that had been you know, beached. And she's throwing the starfish back in the sea. And there are thousands and thousands and thousands of these little starfish you know, lying on, and down the beach on the sand. And this guy comes along and says, why are you bothering to do that? 
there's thousands of things. You could never throw all of them back into the sea. And she takes a starfish and throws it in, and she's like, well, I made a difference for that one. At least I made a difference for that one. So I, get, I have to remember that. I often have to re remember that because accessibility evangelism is pretty heartbreaking because um, a lot of times you write to companies and either they actively don't want to do it or more often than not you've written to some support person and just no matter how you explain it, has no clue what you're talking about and they're not going to escalate it to somebody who might. And then when that happens, then it just gets more complicated because you have to wind your way through the chain of command and it just, it's just really kind of heartbreaking. So I remember starfish, starfish. So um, predictions. Yes, I'm very concerned. I listen to a lot of mainstream podcasts and news programs and things. And we're not part of the conversation. There's new technologies, there's virtual reality, augmented reality, uh, the concept of self-driving cars. Wouldn't it be horrible if, we got, if, if a self-driving car came out, but then it, the user interface wasn't accessible? It'd be a car that a blind person should be able to drive. It doesn't require a driver's license anymore, but they make the user interface inaccessible. That would be pretty heartbreaking. I don't like to think about that. <laughs> no, but seriously, it, it could happen, though. You know, things like that happen. Um, augmented reality. Think about Pokemon Go. Think about the game. Everybody's crazy about Pokemon Go. Totally inaccessible. I understand there would be features in that that could be hard to make accessible, but a number of us have figured out ways that, that the company could have tried to make at least some of it accessible. But it's not, and we are not, just keep in mind with augmented reality, virtual reality, self-driving cars, all these things, we are almost never a part of the conversation. We have got to change that somehow. We have got to change that. We've got to write letters to companies. And I mean well-considered letters to company CEOs and leadership written and sent as certified letters by small core groups of advocates who know what they're talking about. Um, I'm talking about, if necessary, going in mass to people's offices with 10 or 20 people with disabilities with a clear goal, a clear leader and a clear goal, and staying there until we get, get heard. Uh, in other words, you know, I'm talking about, I guess, light, lightweight protesting, you know, and stuff that will get some media attention to accessibility. It's it's time we we could be left behind. And I don't I don't want that. I don't want that um, for us. Um, my uh, baby daughter has glaucoma. She's going to be some kind of low vision when she's older. And uh, I'd like her to experience a much more accessible world than I experience today. Thank you, Daryl. We are right up on the time here. Um, You're welcome. I want to say thank you very much for uh, allowing me to be part of this experience. <laughs> Thanks. Hope we get to do it again. Um, I did too. And uh, uh, from my end, I'd like to say goodbye to everyone and say thank you for participating and asking questions. 
Um, we're about one minute away from 4.15, or it is 4.15 now. <laughs> okay. So I guess we can say our goodbyes. Bye, everybody. Carol says, thank you so much for the help. Awesome. You're welcome. We have a thanks from Rita. Thank you for all your knowledge from Beth Tucker. And Lindsay says bye and thank you. You are also welcome. Thanks for being part of it. All right, we're going to go webinar silent in three, two, one.